Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today, I'm sitting down with Austin Good. Austin, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you? Pretty good, man. So why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in real estate investing. Sure. Well, yeah, my name's Austin Good. Um, my brother and I, we own several real estate companies together, uh, including a large real estate uh, sales team, uh, a real estate development company, a real estate investment company, and most recently, uh, we started a, a mortgage lending branch, kind of live, eat, sleep, breathe real estate. That's awesome. So that's a, that's quite a bit of companies that you have in different realms in real estate. So I want to touch base a little bit on each of them. Uh, okay. which, which company started first? Uh, the real estate sales team. So it's, it's called the Good Home Team. Um, we're with Kel Keller Williams. So yeah, my brother was a... Uh, a real estate agent before me. He's kind of like a solo act. And <clears throat> he had been begging me to uh, come join him up and, and blow this thing up with him. Um, and I, I was in oil and gas at the time, oil and gas sales getting burnt out. Um, it was high pressure sales. I mean, I was doing really well, but it's a high burnout business. So I decided to uh, join him up. And yeah, that's how we got started. So you became a real estate agent and you were just doing retail or were you doing investment properties? At first, we were just strictly retail. Um, so like I said, when I, when I came in, he was a, a solo agent. He was doing um, you know, quite well, actually. Um, but um, when I came in, the focus was to actually build a business. And so we kind of shifted our focus at that time. Um, and if you're a real estate agent with teams, you know that the, the number one thing that you really need to go after is listings if you want to, um, you know, grow a business. So we, we, I came in, we changed our focus up, um, we focused on listings, and we just, um, yeah, we blew it up from there. So how did you transition from retail listings to getting into investing? Well, I, I've always... Um, I've always wanted to be a real estate investor. I mean, I'm talking all the way down to when I was, you know, 13. I was reading books. I was actually reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and other books um, uh, about I didn't know necessarily I wanted to go into real estate at first. Um, I was just reading any books. I just knew I wanted to make a lot of money. Um, and so I just I started reading books and um, and that's how. I had I had had it in the back of my mind um, that I always wanted to get into real estate, so um, I was intentionally looking for you know for deals, um, and we we kept bumping into deals. And this was we started this in 2008, um, and you know that was not a good time really. Um, if you remember, that was kind of when the recession was, you know, hitting the hardest. Right. And yeah. And so we had, we were running into lots of opportunities actually, um, to, uh, to buy property. So that's kind of how I got started. So did you start off with wholesaling, 
buying holds, flips? How did you get started in that? I started off with flipping. Um, so I think the first property we bought, it was a short sale. Um, and uh, we bought it. Um, it. It was actually a friend of mine from high school, um, or, or kind of an acquaintance, really. And she, she reached out to... Actually, she she reached out to my mortgage lender at the time. It was weird how that how that it was just a coincidence that we knew each other. But she was um, behind on her mortgage, and um, I went in and um, actually I had my title company attorney. This is kind of how I met Matt Acock, um, who's he owns several title companies and law firms and stuff, and uh, he actually helped negotiate that deal. Um, it was with a credit union, um, and yeah, I mean, he, he helped negotiate that, and it actually helped solidify a relationship with the person in charge of all of that credit union's foreclosures. Um, and from there, I actually ended up, from that relationship, I went on to buy, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 more, but these were, you know, really, really good deals. So that first deal kind of was the springboard. So I always love asking this question. Did you know they were good deals or did you kind of just stumble into them and then you made profit and you're like, oh man, this is this is kind of something I need to do more research? Or did you know going into them, like the numbers and how to analyze the properties? I I knew going into them. And the reason I, I say that is, is because I'm a numbers guy. Um, I'm a big time numbers guy and I analyze things, you know, very, very well and detailed. And I kind of, I just, I would overanalyze everything. I would spend, you know, every waking hour um, analyzing things. And so when I went into it, I didn't know, I mean, of course there's always in the back of your mind, there's, you know, are my assumptions correct? Because, um, and also, you know, what, what are the costs going to be on the rehab? But luckily, there was another, you know, couple agents that I knew that were doing flips, um, and that really helped to to uh, bounce um, bounce ideals off of them and bounce the rehab budget off of them uh, to make sure that it was in line. Uh, so going into it, I mean, I was I wasn't sure that it was going to go exactly the way that I had planned, but I wasn't worried about you know, losing money. Right. So you, you get these 10, 12 short sales through this relationship. Where did the business progress from there? Well, um, so that was one source. And actually that guy, when he left his credit union to go to a different credit union, that's like the best thing that can ever happen. It's kind of like when two parents, uh, get divorced and now you've got two Christmases. So he introduced me to, yeah, he introduced me to the guy, um, taking over his position. And now I've got, you know, two of these contacts. Now right. I, I just bought a property in Denison. Um, but that was the first property that I bought from either one of those two guys in like three years, just because, you know, the economy's been so good. They actually haven't had any foreclosures. Right. Uh, and I, I really just bought that one to keep the relationship. I think I ended up making about, uh, $2,500 on it. I really didn't want it. Um, but you know, I just, I wanted to be the, continue to be the guy. Um, 
for them. And other, um, other ways I would find, I mean, other agents in the office um, started knowing what we were doing and they were bringing um, certain deals to me. Right. And there were certain, uh, I was kind of subscribed to a couple websites where you would pay for leads. And this was before it got, you know, saturated. Um, but, you know, I would pay for leads and, and this would go twofold for us because they were also listing leads. So if we couldn't list them or if we couldn't buy them, then we would list them. Uh, so we kind of had, you know, extra way to monetize uh, those leads. Uh, and then we started sending out, you know, postcards as well. And right. you know, that just helped, um, you know, fuel the, the fire on, on acquisitions. So you say you have a development company. So how did that company come about? Well, um, actually, kind of just um, right place, right time. And when I say development company, I mean, I'm, I'm not in the business of developing things to, uh, to sell them. Um, I'm in the business of just acquiring um, passive income properties. So uh, it just happens to be that one of my, kind of my, a good buddy of mine who's been like a huge wealth determiner for me, um, he, I had told him, look, I, I, I bought, you know, three or four rental properties. I was, I was, you know, I wanted to expedite things. I, I, I was thinking in terms of units. I've been reading, you know, all sorts of different books um, that says, you know, if you want to get to this point, um, these onesie twosie deals are just not going to, going to cut it. So I, I kind of put it out there in the universe, talked to everybody, um, said, look, I'm looking for something big. I didn't know what I was looking for. I just knew like, hey, um, you know, I've got a, uh, we've, we've, we've saved some money, which by the way, we, we've lived, my brother and I have lived off of, um, in those first years, barely anything and even continuing. I mean, we're, we're kind of conservative. We're real conservative on what we actually pay ourselves versus, you know, what we make um, versus what we invest back into real estate, which has right. helped grown it as well. But um, my buddy calls me and says, well, I've got this deal um, at this property. I got two, um, two partners on it. And, you know, these partners used to be, we used to all be great back in the day. Um, everything was great, but everybody's life's changed. And they're just, these partners are no longer worth a the shit. They don't want to put any more money into it. They don't want to um, basically do anything. Uh, and, and what it was is it was a 72 unit, um, well, it was a street basically in Denton uh, with 36 duplex lots of which they had already built five. So there was 10 units um, already built and leased out. And their development note um, for putting in the roads and utilities and buying the land was about to come due. And he's like, well, you know, I'm willing to put money into it. However, you know, they're not willing to put money into it. So we're kind of at a standstill. So I was like, okay, I, I evaluated it. Um, and again, I didn't really know how great of a deal it was um, at the time. 
and, and you know, he, he kind of had to actually convince me. And looking back, I'm like, man, he he's trying to talk me into such a such a great deal. But I mean, I didn't really know because I've been buying rental properties, one off rental properties, super, you know, super cheap. And I, I kind of evaluated things based on, you know, how much money did the property cost me all in and how much is it going to to rent for, you know, as a ratio. And, but these were new construction properties that he had, they had just built. And so what I wasn't factoring in or, or I was over factoring in things like maintenance and, you know, reserves and things like that, because, you know, I'm very conservative and um, I was kind of using numbers based on nothing other than, uh, advice from other like forums and books of being and taking the most conservative advice for it. Um, so I was using way too high of numbers like that. And I didn't really think I was going to be, be making that much money on it. Um, but what I was comparing was, you know, apples to oranges because, you know, brand new construction at first, you're, you're going to go through quite a period of time where your, your maintenance and, and things like that are, are minimal. Um, and it's a whole different ball game whenever you're talking like an apartment complex or, you know, consolidation of, of units in one area. You've got, you know, some economies of scale, um, things of that nature that kind of kick in to sweeten the deal. Um, but he taught, so he told me about this deal. Um, and basically what had had to, what had to happen is I, I, I bought out two of his partners, um, I didn't have enough money to buy him out, uh, so he let me take an IOU on the deal. And I think I paid, uh, I want to say, I want to say it was 154000 per partner. So I, I, I'd come up with the 300 and some odd thousand, took an IOU from him. And, you know, uh, what I had to do was I had to go to the bank that he had the, the loans with um, because... I needed to, the plan was to assume the loans, okay, because at the time I didn't have a, a banking relationship that would um, allow me to to get that big of a loan. Um, I mean, I think at the time it was like a $2.2 million loan, and, you know, just basically on my net worth schedule, uh, my personal financial statement, I was barely... You know, I was kind of exaggerating it in order to to even get to like I don't know six hundred thousand, um, seven hundred thousand, and most of that was you know really just valuating your company, um, which none of my companies really at the time were worth anything unless I was the main guy. Um, so you really shouldn't value them <laughs> at anything, right. um, but. Typically, what they want to see is a one-to-one ratio on how much they, how much your net worth is versus how much they're willing to loan you. Um, so, as you can imagine, I had some you know hurdles there. But what it took is it took several several meetings with these guys, um, uh, and I was very I had prepared very very well. I had a plan. Um, and I was very convincing, um, very confident in my plan. And I went in there. I was so confident. I wanted to build out 
the remaining 31 duplexes, 62 units, uh, I wanted to build them all out at the same time. Now, given up to this point, I've probably flipped a dozen homes or something like that, and um, I've, I started on my first full new construction spec home maybe like a month or two earlier. So basically what I'm asking these guys is to trust me, and I think, I, I don't know, it was 20, 26 at the time or something, I, I was asking them to trust me that I could build you know, 62 units, new construction, one street, and I could do that even though I've never actually completed a, a construction project from, from start to finish. Um, and what ended up happening is they, they let me assume the loans, and they, this particular bank, I could never really completely mesh with, and so they wanted to, and, and I get it, I mean, uh, uh, I hadn't had, you know, all that much experience um, on that side, and it was, it was a lot of money. And so that what they wanted to do was kind of, they, they let me assume it, but they wanted me to only build, I don't know, like four duplexes at the same time, which my whole plan was uh, this thing only works if I can get economies of scale on the building costs too, because if I can get some sort of bulk, um, discounts and things like that, then it can help with construction. Um, so I was like, okay, that's not going to work. So what I did is I, I assumed the loans, and then it took me about a year to find another bank um, that, that bought into my vision, had confidence in me enough to uh, give me a loan and, and give me a loan for enough of them. And what we settled on is we were going to do it in three phases. Um, so I would build 11 on the first phase, 11 duplexes, and then 10 and 10. Um, so I so convinced you, you go ahead. So you're telling me that you not only convinced one bank to trust you with that little of experience, but then you convinced a second bank to, to trust you just as much or even more so because – they were willing to let you do it in, in larger chunks than the first bank. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, well, I think what played into it, too, is these banks are not only competitors, and these are local banks there, but the two guys in charge of everything used to be, you know, childhood friends and um, I think had a falling out of sorts, and now we're super competitive with one another. Since then, they're, they're cool now and everything, but I think there was a little extra um, – there uh, wanted and plus you know I had kind of there had been some they weren't completely strangers to me or, or at least the one who actually ended up I ended up going with to do the 11 duplexes and help me finish the rest of it um, I, I mean he was a complete stranger but it was a warm introduction from another um, person that went to high school with them and yada yada we just clicked really well um, so, yeah, I, did. I convinced him to do that. He believed in it. I mean, he saw what I was doing um, on – I mean, our growth was really impressive on, uh, on, the, on both sides of the business, the investment side and, you know, the traditional sales side. And, and, and he saw that we were also very conservative with, with our lifestyles and our numbers and just on top of things had a very good plan for it. Um, Everything was 
um, prepared well whenever they asked for anything from me, you know, financials, uh, um, you know, performas, et cetera. I mean, I was very, very professional and very, I mean, those things go a long way um, right. with banks. So, yes. So once, once you got started in the phases, how long did each phase take? One year. So, so um, the, I would build, my goal was to try to build 11 at the exact same time, meaning you're pouring the slab at the same time, all of those things. But what I found is then you're really not going to get any discount on um, your guys because you're actually having to use a lot of different subs because one sub can't handle, you know, that much at the exact same time. And it was right. doing 11 was just under the cutoff for like, for me using um, multifamily subs. Um, you know, the, the guys who do, um, they have a minimum square footage that they need of like 100,000 or whatever it was at the time. And so I just missed that cutoff of being able to use those type of guys that could handle it all at once. So what I ended up doing is I, I would build basically, um, we, would, we would start three at the same time and then just go right down the line um, to completing it. And so like the actual, the actual construction and, and rent up, because I would pre-lease these, and that was another thing. So I would get these all pre-leased. Um, usually they're pre-leased uh, anywhere from three to six months ahead of time um, because about half, a little bit less of, of these uh, tenants are students. And so they typically, they know ahead of time they're going somewhere for a semester. Uh, they start looking a, a much earlier. Um, so that kind of helped. Right. Yeah. So we did that. And um, I, I think the actual construction from start to finish was like 10 months, um, eight, eight, eight or eight to 10 months. I can't remember. And then the rest was just to basically figure out, OK, what where the next um, what the next financing round for the next phase was going to be like and, and trying to the whole way. I'm, of course, I'm trying to minimize how much down payment and things like that I've got to put because, I mean, this is, at the end of the day, this, uh, this thing was a, you know, gigantic um, project and it really it traditionally would require at least, uh, you know, two million in down payments throughout the phase of, you know, life of it. And I knew I wasn't going to have um, that amount of money during the, that time period. So I had to get really, really, creative and kind of push that bank a lot to try to figure out, you know, how do I get through each of these phases with, you know, minimum out of pocket. Right. So, yes. So you bring up the fact that you were pre-leasing these to students. I went to the university of North Texas, which is in Denton where these are located. Yep. <clears throat> Excuse me. And and I was also one of those students who was looking for housing, and I, and I know that process is part of what made this deal more attractive is because the students would be leasing from you and you could charge a little bit extra on the rent? You know, I mean, I, I didn't look at it like that. Um, it, it probably was, um, and it was probably my naivety uh, to that – it even that I didn't look at it like that. I mean, it was just more like, okay, I've got, I've got a bigger 
pool of um, potential renters, but Denton is, is, was a growing city and it was a big city. And I'd like to take credit for like also, you know, jumping into that and, and knowing that it was going to do what it was going to do, but I didn't know anything about it. I was just kind of like, okay, let's, it's a big deal. Uh, let's go. Um, you know, I, I mean, I did a ton of research, but uh, that didn't mean that I came to some sort of actual conclusion that made me feel good um, about it because I didn't know how to really look at and interpret demographics numbers to the point where it equated to, um, you know, uh, how fast these are going to lease up or um, anything. So, but what I did know is after the first, as soon as I took it over, I could see, like, li literally, I put a big sign in the front of this thing, and that's really the only marketing um, that I've done to this day still. And, I mean, as soon as I got it, I think it was rented out at, like, $1,300 a month, and I immediately saw that I could raise rent. So I think I went to, like, 1350 and then 1400 almost almost immediately I realized even 1350 was low. Um and I mean now I'm at fifteen fifty a month and these are three bedroom, uh two and a half bath uh units, about about seventeen hundred square feet. Um but uh the the market in Denton is actually good, so actually only like forty percent of my tenant base is students. I, I could lease a hundred percent to them um if I wanted to, but uh I like to keep a a mixture in there. Wow. So I that deal, obviously, I've heard you tell that story before, mm -hmm. yep. and, and it's it's such an impressive deal. What did that, after you completed that, what did that do for your business and for your confidence to carry on in investing? I mean, I did, uh, I did a lot. I mean, I, I've, it's, it's forced me to learn a lot. I mean, I, I've been, I've been terrified every step of the way. I mean, from the beginning, like I didn't have. I, I was confident in my abilities, and, uh, you know, but that doesn't mean I wasn't terrified of, you know, how big this thing was. And, and, and so, I mean, what it's done for me is, is tremendous because, you know, now I've got the confidence to not only, I mean, I, I've got another development just up the street. I, I bought land. Um, I'm doing the same thing, except I'm doing it from, from the very, very beginning, um, you know, putting streets and utilities in and things of that matter, that nature. But it, it's, it's, it kind of, it forced me to become a more sophisticated investor. Um, things, you know, like, you know, dealing with financing, um, on, on a larger scale, um, the context you have to have for building that many, uh, so, I mean, I learned a lot of skills like, uh, I'm, I'm very, very good at, um, you know, putting together packets for banks, financial statements, this, that, and the other. I, I, I've been forced to really learn um, financials very well. I mean, I, I'm not an accountant by any means, but I can tell you that um, I, I'm very, I can, I can sit there and talk to them and completely understand everything. Um, I was doing all my own bookkeeping and I still to this day, my, my, one of my employees 
does a, the vast majority of it, but he's an extremely smart guy. And then we get together on the more complicated, you know, journal entries and things like that. But I can't tell you how much, um, I, I mean, that's a big, that's big advice I would give to people. I, I think a lot of people try to, you know, with, with the right intentions of outsourcing that, like it's a not a dollar producing activity and, and I get that it's not, but I'd say don't, don't outsource it until you completely understand, you know, how it works, how these financial statements work. I mean, what's a, what's a balance sheet? What's an income statement? How do these affect, you know, things? Um, it's, it's just, it's really important. Um, so it's had, it, you know, I've skilled up on that. Um, and, and then I just completed the, the cash out, um, refi and, you know, compared to like dealing with banks and getting financing with local banks and stuff. I mean, it's in a lot of cases, once you get going, once you convince them, I mean, I can get, you know, loans for $8 million easier in some cases on some certain things than I can get a, you know, Fannie Mae home loan for my own personal house. I mean, it's kind of silly and, and, um, but it's, it's, it's almost, you know, true, um, completely there. I mean, there are some, some things that are obviously more complicated, but, um, right. but the reason I bring that up is because then I had to learn how to, um, deal with, uh, agency loans on a, on a large scale. So I just did a $9.4 million cash out refinance on that very deal, um, and I can tell you this, that is the most exhausting process. I mean, it took us like 75 days to get, or maybe it was 60. Um, we had some delays. It may have gotten to 75. But we had conference calls scheduled every single Friday um, with, uh, I think it was Prudential who ended up doing the loan. But, I mean, I had, you know, my legal counsel. They had their legal counsel on the line. Where there was like five different points of contact with them, um, the title company. Uh, it's a very, very involved process. And I was literally on the phone with them in, be in, in between those. Those were like status update uh, conference calls. But in between that, they had question after question. I had, I mean, they went through everything, you know, very, very in detail. Um, to, but it's a non-recourse um, 30 year, uh, I think it's, it's fixed for 10 and then I, or it balloons, um, after 10, I think I'm at like 4.78% interest. Um, which, you know, my local bank, I was at that interest there, but they were all of those. The most they'll go is, you know, uh, five years, um, on that. And a lot of them were going to be coming due in a, you know, a couple, um, couple years and such, and depending on which phase it was, you know, the first phase ones were coming due soon. And I just knew interest rates are going to go nothing, nowhere but up and they have nowhere to go but up. So I wanted to kind of lock that in. Um, and the non-recourse portion of it is, is huge because when you go to borrow more money, you can actually put that, it's, it's not a contingent liability. Um, so you're not personally guaranteeing it. Uh, I mean, that's huge because it, 
the banks look at it like, uh, you know, okay, you've got that. It, it's, it, it's sustaining itself over there in that asset. And if it ever were to mess up, I'm not in danger of them coming after the asset we're about to loan on. So, right. yeah, I mean, but it was an exhausting process. So to answer your question, yeah, I mean, I've, what it's done for my business and, and my, my personal development um, has been huge. Another thing that I've noticed, because I'm very active with talking to local investors in the DFW market, is that very frequently I would go to lunch with them or there'll be a guest on the podcast or we'll just have a conversation, and they mention your name being someone who has reached out, helped them, mentored them on different deals or how to deal with banks. Is that is that a product of this particular deal giving you the confidence or is that just something that you want to give back to the community what is it that that gives you the drive to do that for other investors well i think it's a, it's a sum of, of all parts everything i mean i you know that that one deal um the funny thing is like i've that one deal i always called as my my side hustle um actually because i, I literally was running that one deal uh, um, after I was actually running the other businesses that I, I considered all of that stuff um, my horizontal income, you know, the, the passive income. It goes horizontally. It keeps going, right? And I considered my, my active income or my vertical income as my day job, um, which is flipping properties um, at the time, um, I was, I may have still been involved on, um, the good home team, um, more so than I am today, um, on the traditional side, um, working in the business, not really on it. My brother kind of took over working, working in the business, um, uh, after about two years. Um, so, and because we could just see, I mean, I wasn't, it wasn't the best use of my time to work in that business. He could work in it. I would work. Um, on it with them, but I would work in the business on the other side. So um, helping other people, I, I do enjoy doing that. Um, and and, and I, I'm, I'm real selective. I mean, it's, it's only, it's people that I know that have been, that are in, in the circle, I guess you could say, you know, um, uh, they've been, you know, someone who I trust uh, tells me about them or I see them doing, you know, good things, then, yeah, I, I just, I want to lift them up because I know that, you know, what goes around comes around and it's, you know, even though I have no intention of wanting anything in return, I, I just know that if you do that, expecting nothing else, you're, you're going to get it back um, and probably greater. So. Right. I mean, you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I had Jawad Dashti on here as a guest and he mentioned you helping him, you're, you're teaching him how to leverage his money and take out loans and, and to build his business in that regard. And, and you're right, I, I, can, I know both of you, and, and I don't think you would expect anything in return, but I also know both of you are going to be in this for a while. Uh, you're younger guys, and probably down the road you will do business together because of that. And so, well, in that specific uh, in incident, it was actually, um, you know, with Jawad, it was more immediate. Actually, um, he uh, he's been helping me with uh, 
Section 8 stuff. I mean, I've, I have, um, you know, a lot of rentals and things like that, but I've, I've always ignored Section 8, and he's kind of opened my eyes. That's where almost all of his properties are on Section 8. And he's really, really opened my eyes and kind of guided me through that. And now, I mean, I'm, you know, I just picked up like 10 duplex units in Mesquite and I'm, you know, looking for more and actually converting some of my other rentals um, to Section 8 because in some instances I can get a lot more in rent. Um, so, yeah. So outside of the, the Denton deal. Yep. How many rental properties do you have? So outside of that, I've only got 30 single family uh, or half duplex units. Um, those are the new half duplex units, but everything else is single family. I've got 30. Um, my new development is going to be 58 units. I mean, we just started moving dirt on it, um, but that's going to take uh, about two years. And so that'll be That'll be 58. My didn't deal 72, but outside of everything else is um, 30 single family. But I've, I've been, I've really been more purposeful. Um, I mean, out of those, out of those 30, I've acquired, I, I think I acquired about 20 of them in the last two years. Um, so I mean, I've been really speeding up on on acquiring um, rentals outside of the the developments that you know, add the 70 or 50 at a time. How many houses are you flipping a year? In right I now? do about 12 flips a year. I only take really, you know, high margin stuff, um, kind of selective with that. So I'll do about 12 houses at a flip. Um, I'm usually looking to to make about uh, an average of about 50K on, on each one. Um, and I'll also... I'll wholesale or hotel um, a couple here or there, but that's more out of just, you know, not necessity, but, you know, not leaving a deal behind. Um, and, and in some cases, especially uh, in the last two years, uh, they I can actually, in some instances, I can actually make the same amount of money um, wholesaling it than I do flipping it, which is wild to me. Um, but it, I think it's a combination of people taking skinnier profit margins and, um, you know, just, I don't know, having different amounts of rehab that they put in. I mean, I do things, I don't go, uh, what well, I don't feel like I overdo anything, but I definitely do not cut corners when it comes to, uh, certain things like sewer line replacement and things like that. If, you know, I've seen it where some investors um, won't do those. They'll just kind of patch some areas or hope to hope nobody kind of sees it, which is kind of just wrong. But, um, right. you know, regardless, I mean, so in some instances, wholesaling or wholesaling is has been just as profitable. Um, gotcha. Yep. So other interviews you've done and, and other podcasts and they've used the your claim to fame is <laughs> you're 32 years old and you own 32 million dollars in real estate so i have to throw that out there but my question in regards to those numbers and your age is where do you want to be in five years from now it's a great question um i you know i need to i think that one of the 
my I'm not like concrete on goal setting. I, I need to be a lot better um, at it. My, my goal in five years, I think of my goals right now are based all around passive income. That's my that's my ultimate focus. I, I kind of think about it as my as my side hustle, but I mean, really, it's not my side hustle. It's uh, it's really the end game for me. So, to answer your question, I'd like to be at a a, a, a million dollars in passive income, um, and and that's you know between my brother and I, you know, separately. So he would have a million dollars in passive income, and I would have a million dollars in passive income, and and really. You know, it's maybe I under undershoot it. I, I I kind of set goals that um, are you know more more than realistic, and and for it, it depends on how you're motivated. You know, some people are all about like you know the Grant Cardone, let's ten times it, let's, but that doesn't motivate me. Um, if I if I'm thinking that there's you know I'm not going to get close to it, and I'm just being you know, outrageous, then uh, it doesn't motivate me. But what does motivate me is, you know, numbers that do push me, but at the same time are, you know, more than realistic. Um, so I'd say, you know, a million dollars in passive income. Um, there's, I think there's a good chance I'll do it before then, but um, that's kind of what my goal is right now. Right. And, and you and I were having a conversation a couple of nights ago about this. And I, and I shared my goal with you, and and you were like, why why are you going so large on your goal? And you're right. It, it's because I understand what motivates me, and you understand what motivates you. And I think that's important when it comes to goal setting. Like for you, setting a high goal that might not be obtainable quickly doesn't work for you. Um, but for me, I like setting that large goal because – each step of the ladder, I feel like I'm getting closer and closer. And it's not so much about achieving that goal. I enjoy the process of getting to that large goal. So uh, it's very important that when you're setting goals, you understand how to properly motivate yourself. Because everybody has different goals. But in the end, you and I have essentially the same goal, which is a large passive income, annual passive income. So Absolutely. So the my last question to you is, what is your why? What is the driving force behind everything that you do? A big why. I, you know, I I always have a a tough time with this uh, this question. I mean, there's I just because there's so many different things, there's so many different whys for me. If I have to boil it down, I, I want to ultimately. I mean, my family. And, and our, you know, life experience um, is is a, obviously a huge, you know, why for us being able to live the the fullest uh, life. And you know, money's not everything, but it definitely um, allows you to to do certain you know certain things. So that that's that's a big why. But but there is a driving factor for wanting to to help people. And and I don't. I don't mean necessarily um, a bunch of strangers out there or anything like that. I, I do mean lifting up people in my circle, uh, you know, uh, that I can, you know, have a, an effect on their life and bring them up. Um, that's, I like to, 
I like to see that. I like to um, to to do that, and so I, I guess that's a couple of whys. But um, yeah, well, I, I I think you're you're there on some of your whys. I mean, obviously, you're well on your way to financial freedom. Sure. And then I I previously mentioned in this interview that you're already helping other people. I mean, it, people that I didn't, I didn't even know you know. I mean, I'll go to lunch with them. They're like, oh, yeah, I was talking to Austin Good the other day about this. And I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't even know you all were friends. So um, you, you're definitely doing a great job of, of hitting your whys and, and, you know, obtaining your goals. I appreciate hey, that. Hey, man, I, I appreciate you sitting down with us and sharing your, your incredible story with us. Um, yes, I know you're you're a busy guy, and uh, you know it's a, a great story. Um, I, I don't think it can be undermined how impressive it is to be 32 years old and own 32 million dollars in real estate. So, uh, congratulations on all of your success. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. All right, man. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault with your host, R.J. Bates III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review, and we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault. Titanium Vault.